Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend. A podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, uh, skiing and sunning ourselves, which is why we are so chill for this week's episode. Men in jeggings and worrying about balding. Women playing through the pain. (laughs) Specifically period pain. Naming your baby Nutella and other products we would like to name babies after. Lindy West confronts her troll and The Shine Theory of Girlhood, a great new movie. Okay, so so tell me tell me why you are so chill and happy right now, dude. I'm so chill today. I like <laughs> like nothing can phase me. I even had like my first San Francisco burrito. It's been seven months and I still hadn't had a burrito from where. I don't want to say because I'm afraid of the burrito police somewhere in the mission. Wow! Shout out to Catherine who recommended what I should get, but I will say this. The burrito was just okay. Like, it was good, but it was like, eh. It's no Chipotle, huh? You know, like, the Chipotle burrito is delicious. And I know that you're trolling me, but listen, the other day at work, we had, like, a marketing, like, branding thing. And the one of the number one brands on, like, the highest brand score was Chipotle. And everybody else was, like, really surprised. They were like, what? Wait, what is a brand score? It's like how recognizable and beloved your brand is. I mean, that's true. Chipotle has just turned like aluminum foil into a marketing opportunity. Okay, first of all, <laughs> you're trolling me again. It's true. Chipotle is a fantastic brand. Uh, <laughs> no, it's true. Um, shout out, shout out, Bobby Finger. Tinfoil wrapped things with Chipotle. No, it's true. Um, but anyway, the Chipotle burrito is like fine. Um, and this like mission burrito was like, uh, it was okay. Anyway, I'm super chill. I was in Park City this weekend. Oh my God. You have to say I was at Sundance. That's like saying I went to a small private school in Cambridge. (laughs) (laughs) I went to the Sundance Film Festival. It's a film (laughs) festival, right? Yes. I had a blast. And if you know me, I usually do not have fun when it's cold, but I was freezing and I had a good time. I look cute every day. I wore my thermal base underwear. What's up? <laughs> Did you have like a like a cute outerwear solution for Park City? I just wore like many, 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 many layers. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a really cute camel coat that I've been rocking and I got a lot of compliments on it. Thank you. Uh, it was inspired by Kim Kardashian because, you know, nobody does neutrals better than Kim Ye. Not now, anyway. Not now, <laughs> not never. <laughs> I don't know. The secret is just to like wear a ton of layers. Uh, I won't lie. The altitude like really kicks your butt. So I was drinking a ton of water, like not really drinking alcohol. So like, you know, none of these are like usually optimal conditions for Amina fun. <laughs> I had a blast. <laughs> Did you ski? Did you have a downhill? I went skiing. I went skiing uh, on the last day that I was there, and I like too much fun. You know, I'm scared of skiing, right? Why? Any any 
Anything that celebrities die doing, heroin, skiing, <laughs> uh, there's got to be other examples I don't really fuck with. <laughs> oh, man, baby giraffe, so scared. I mean, also, there's that factor, which is that my coordination resembles a baby giraffe learning to walk for the first time. And if you put me on skis and send me down a mountain, I will collapse. Dude, I will say this. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot growing up, but I got bougie white people sports. So, like, shout out to my family. Uh, <laughs> you you also love tennis. It's true. <laughs> you know, like, I love tennis. I love sailing. I love skiing. Just going places where Black people don't belong and reclaiming the space, and I mean, I, there is no transgressive way for me to participate in sailing, so I'm glad you do it for this family. <laughs> We'll go on and say, I, man, now I really want to go skiing with you. It's so fun. This is what I realized. There are a lot of things about my personality that I'm like, eh, iffy about. But I get really excited when I do things that I'm scared of. And I'm just like, go for it. Like, nobody's oh, so going to die. So you were scared of skiing, too? I mean, years ago I was. And also, okay. I, hadn't, I hadn't been on skis in, like, you know, like a minute. And, uh, yeah, it was it was so, great. I'm afraid of, I'm genuinely afraid of snowboarding, though. I don't think, like, you should have both feet strapped in the same direction. That's not God's plan for you. I mean, what is the exit strategy with snowboarding? Re- seriously. <laughs> Just dying. That's, that's how it ends. It's like, best case scenario is a tree separates you from the snowboard, like, on your way down, right? No, totally. <laughs> I mean, I had a blast. I uh, hung out with our good lady friend, Daya Olopade. You know, like, uh, that lady looks out. good in the snow. Did she pack her own skis again this year? The woman <laughs> likes to travel heavy. No, we unfortunately did not go skiing at the same day because she had oh. to leave to go study for the bar. Uh, she's going to be the nation's like best lawyer. Uh, <laughs> if she chooses to be a lawyer. Amazing business card line, the nation's best lawyer. I know, uh, you know, like as endorsed by CYG. Went to some really fun parties, met some really interesting people. I just, yeah, I'm like so high off of Park City. Didn't meet a single Mormon, just putting that out there. (laughs) Park City is like, is the the Mormon no-go zone of Utah. It's like covered in a salt circle or whatever you do to, you know, I don't know. It's it's like a it's a segregated it's a, there's a barrier or something. I know one thing that you would have loved was all the like small businesses like you know the alpaca store the Sabra Hummus House. <laughs> oh my God, there was a there was a Sabra Hummus House. <laughs> obviously, like sponsored. Oh, so obviously, like met a lot of famouses, and that was really fun. But I, what I really want to open your eye to is to the swag situation. I'm not surprised. I assume wherever there are more than two famous people gathered, there are also free products. Yo, I am swimming in Mophie's headphones, like Birchbach at the wazoo. Uh, I got a full sorrel coat and boots. Like, Like, yeah, no, the swag is out of control. Like, go for the swag. And I was excited by the idea of a hummus hut. <laughs> I mean, the hummus hut is legit. Like, don't knock the hummus hut sauce I was in the desert while you were in the mountains with Aww. a bunch of women. I know you were missed, but you know, gotta understand. Some years are different climate power summits. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to build our brand among powerful people. That's what was going I mean, on. Listen, I understand, and I love you no matter what. But I had a pretty chill time in the desert where I did nothing but snack and nap 
and go from a sort of warm outdoor pool to a very warm indoor pool and thrift. Oh my god, <laughs> that sounds delightful. It was really delightful. I, I, the first time I put on pants with a zipper was, you know, today, and I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> so, so confined, I was not ready to come back to the the land of the I don't know, not one hundred percent stretch. Ugh, so oppressive zippers. It is. I feel like that's the perfect transition. I didn't even do it intentionally. I mean, yeah, you didn't even do that intentionally. Like, <laughs> I didn't. I swear I didn't. I was just looking at my leggings and thinking how happy I was to be wearing them. I'm, I kid you not. And I'm so happy because when I met you, you were not a leggings person. And like, clearly, I don't believe in pants that are real. I just want to wear stretchy things all the time. Listen, I'm a woman who can admit when I was wrong. I was wrong on leggings. Ugh. Man, you know, so leggings, other cousin, jeggings, is like having a moment right now. <laughs> did, did you read this article on Man Repeller by Rob Fishman about uh, men's jeggings? I, it's so man 2.0 because, like, even women are very divided on jeggings. I think women who don't wear jeggings are on the wrong side of history. So to hear a man come out in favor of jeggings, I'm just like, ugh, like everything. I mean, subversive, really. No, oh, amazing. I think that there are a couple of things in play, right? Jeggings are quite the reveal if you have uh, male anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They are. There's no real way. I mean, unless you're wearing some kind of, like, I, I don't know, like, protective modesty garment. You know, you're kind of out there if you're a man in jeggings. Right? It's true. But, yeah, it's like I feel like all, like, you know, like skinny jeans are, it like really puts the dudes out there. Was it you that told me the story about your like acupuncturist or somebody who was like seeing all these like hipsters because they had like veins burst because their jeans were too skinny? That I don't have an acupuncturist, but I might have passed along an anecdote from someone else's acupuncturist because that sounds very familiar. Somebody we know told us this story <laughs> and I was like, man, it's hard being a dude in the pantaloon area. I mean, look, if your options are super, super tight, like 2006 era hipster skinny jeans or jeggings, that's a no brainer. You're just jeggings all the way. No, it's true. You know, I think the other thing at play here, too, is that, like, athleisure is having a moment. Mm -hmm. Everybody just wants to be, like, casual, comfortable, and still look, like, fly. Uh, I support this. This is also, um, what is, oh, God, what is the article I read in, I want to say it was British Esquire about, <laughs> I know, Tell no, me. right? I read it on my phone in bed when I didn't want to get up. It was like when you follow a link from Twitter and end up reading an entire feature length article because you're avoiding your day. Is that just a freelancer problem? Um, <laughs> but it was about, what do they call them? Sportosexuals? Sportosexuals. <laughs> oh my God, mom moments. Oh my God. I feel like you're which, describing me. Which is basically people who want the or men, sorry, not people, men who want the quote Brad Pitt in Fight Club body, as if this is a new trend. Like <laughs> I mean, how are they getting this body? I mean, like eating only chicken breast and other protein. Well, and, and I'll tell you what the trainer told me at the gym the other day. Tell me. Abs are not made in the gym. They're made in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta I eat mean, clean if you wanna have those washboard abs. 
I feel like men in jeggings is at the center of spornosexuality and athleisure. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I also just, you know, I love a man who's not afraid to, you know, wear something that's considered girly and pull it off. Uh, right, it's right. perfect. The one thing that I will say about this article is that so the author bought his jeggings at Uniqlo and then he got them um, hemmed or whatever. Like he got them tailored. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the the jeans cost me twenty nine ninety, and then the same price to hem them. Uh, life tip: don't ever take anything from Uniqlo to get tailored somewhere else because they will tailor for free for you at Uniqlo. Oh my god, is this a sponsored post? I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> Uniqlo, call me. But yeah, they automatically lengthen things as well because that's a service I could really use. For I Uniqlo. mean, probably they're good people at Uniqlo. Okay, I'm done saying nice things about Uniqlo because they don't pay us. <laughs> right. Okay. Get in touch if you would like to pay us to endorse your leggings. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is I don't so know. real. What are the odds of jeggings becoming a real thing? So okay. So here's the thing about jeggings, right? They're literally only jeggings if you tell somebody else. Nobody has to know that you're wearing jeggings because they look just like jeans. I don't know. I've heard that on the pajama jean ads and really they look, they don't look like jeans. Okay, sorry no, and you have seen me in jeggings many times. You oh, have seen me in jeans like very few times. The belt line is basically where you can tell. If you wear something that like covers, yeah, that covers the zipper and those buttons, like nobody ever has to know. Right. Men's fashion tunics on the rise. On the rise. Kanye on the forefront of this one again. Oh, man. I mean, listen, that's what Kanye said about leather pants. They wouldn't let him. And then now everybody has a leather pant. He's right. The the rise of the tunic is what's necessary to complete the rise of the jegging for men. Because it is a waistband issue. It is a waistband issue. Oh, waistband. That's the word I was looking for. Ugh, English so hard. I don't know. I support every man who wants to wear jeggings. Just, just do it. This is, it's basically the, um, the like fashion sweatpant of last year. I like gave fashion sweats to like almost every dude in my life last year because they're everything. Just relax. Just relax and buy clothes that you enjoy. Endorsed. Again, if any makers of jeggings want to get in touch, we will try them. (laughs) And endorse your product. Forever and ever and ever. Or we'll make um, we'll make the men we know wear them. Oh, I kinda wanted to bring up Tan- and tangentially related to the jeggings thing. Did you read this article about men worrying about balding? Uh, no, but isn't that like every day? Well, it was just a funny, it, it was, it was a, it was an article in the cut that was like arguing women are better prepared for certain types of aging because women are sort of hit with messages that their looks are deteriorating basically from puberty onward. And men, when they realize they're balding, it's the first time that they've ever (laughs) heard that they might have a downtick in their sexuality. And there is just something I don't actually think it's feminist to say like, oh, it's great that really stringent body image standards are now being applied to men as well as women. But 
I would be lying if I told you I didn't take serious satisfaction in the article and the fretting men are doing about this specific body part. But I feel like it happens really young. Yeah, because I, I was talking to a man recently who had like balding fears and I just didn't realize what a big deal it was. I was like, uh, like, isn't the solution just to like shave off your head? You know, like just it's just hair, like show off your hair. But apparently right. it's not just hair. I feel like even as young girls, we all saw our boyfriend, Prince William, go through it. So you just, you just adjust. It's just a way of life. Mascot for male pattern baldness. No, totally. I personally like don't think it's a big deal, but I'm also not a dude and I have all of my own other issues to deal with. But yeah, like genuinely surprised at what a big deal it was. Right. I understand why it might be a shock when you've spent your entire life thinking that you don't have to worry about your looks and that you're only going to get better with age and suddenly you you're forced to question that and then have to decide have the internal fortitude to be like I am better with age even if I am bald I mean that's sort of like women going from their 20s to their 30s in a in a nutshell I know man women just better equipped at everything you know, that's what it is. I secretly love articles about how women are better equipped for the world. I mean, Sorry. we are. Like, we really, we are. We are. It's like, that's why we've treated ourselves to stretch like wear for so long. Yeah, we've, like, already known. Ugh, men, late to everything. Time to talk about menstruation. Yes, let's talk about menstruation. I'm so excited about this. Uh, do you, like, you do not watch tennis, correct? Uh, No. Uh, the aforementioned bougie white people sports didn't really make it to <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> this British tennis player, Heather Watson, is playing in the Australian Australian Open. She lost her game and she like came out and said that it's because of her period. And I love that it was picked up by everyone in the media because, you know, and they called it the last taboo in women's sports. And it really resonated with me because when I was in high school, I played um, soccer and my soccer coach was also my PE teacher, I guess. And she was like a huge witch. And she like she was just one of those ladies that was really hardcore. Like she was a runner. And she like even when she was pregnant, she ran every day until the day the baby pops. Like she's that kind of woman. And one of the like one of the rules that she had both for the soccer team and for PE was that you could never use your period as an excuse to miss, like, PE or a game or whatever. That is harsh. High school periods are real. Uh, are and, real. and we know me. I bleed like a gunshot victim. Like, hemorrhage, full on. It was really heartening to see to see this tennis player, like, really come out and say that, and that, like, women deal with these issues all the time. You know, even, like, women who play high-level sports. And yes, it'll like fuck up your game, you know, on like any given occasion. Right. If it feels like a baby wolverine is trying to crawl its way out of your abdomen, it will fuck up your game. I always think about that when I have serious cramps. I think baby wolverine with claws extended trying to get out. Um, But but listen, so I was talking about this with a friend who is a former dancer and she I was totally shocked to, to hear her say oh, what's the big deal? Yeah, you just suck it up and play through it. There's no way around it, so you just play through it. And why bother talking about it? Because you shouldn't get any special dispensation for having your period. Wow. Um, I know. And I, I I think that there's this attitude that comes out. I read this article I went through in my head all the times when I've been like, I mean, granted, I've never been paid to do anything 
you know, athletic with my body, <laughs> but, but, you know, like times when I've like, oh, I have to be, a, do this really important presentation and I'm at baby Wolverine, DEFCON level, you know, pain. It is true that you don't get a pass, but I also think that it's fair to say this contributed to why I didn't play my best today. No, totally. Um, you know, I mean, like nobody knows more than women what it means to like play through the pain. Like we, we know, we like, we know, especially like women who have really, you know, like the baby Wolverine type period. So that's crazy. I just, I didn't realize that that's a bias that I had for a long time and realizing that a lot of women have that too. And, you know, it's just, it's like basically your period is always a reminder that you're a woman, especially when you're in like high performance, like kind of situations. Right. That's so true. Maybe we should give everybody like three days off on their period. I would support this. Yeah. It's an interesting question too, because I had a conversation once with a friend who has, you know, your type of terrible hemorrhaging periods. And she, she made a comment about how she was like, well, whenever, you know, day two, when it's the worst, I take a sick day every single month. And I've been waiting for my supervisor to notice that I'm on like a 28 day schedule or whatever it is. And I really admire that, you know, to just sort of be like, actually, it's a it's a personal day that I really need to take. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to take it every single month if I need it. Dude, I, I had never even thought of that because I was too busy playing through the pain. What a fool. Get those leggings on. Put your computer on your uterus. Watch some TV. The modern woman's heating pad. Yeah, please. I love it when it overheats. Is my favorite. Computerists. Yeah, you know, oh man, little Heather Watson. She's so good. I just loved her in her interview. She's like, it's just one of these things I have, girl things. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. please let her live. It's it's funny though. It's it is such a taboo though because women have uteruses has long been a justification for, you know, all kinds of discrimination in sports. Like women can't ski jump because they have uteruses. Actual position of the International Olympic Committee. Ugh, no, true. Or like that first woman who tried to run a marathon. That's always my favorite picture when it comes up on Tumblr. It's like this woman trying to run a marathon in like the black and white days. And all of these dudes are so threatened by her. They're trying to yank her off of running. I just tried to find this photo because I haven't seen it before. And I'm 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 like listening to you and Googling at the same time and just Googled woman marathon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it'll... It, like, legit pops up on my Tumblr dashboard, like, once a week. And, like, empowered ladies are like, uh, they wouldn't let the women run marathons because they're so scared of us. Oh, my God. I just found a narrative retelling of the first uh, woman to complete an, a marathon. Yeah, no, she's, like, she's like total shiro. She, like, needed to go to the bathroom and shit and, like, couldn't stop. She, like, dressed like a dude. It was serious. Um, you know, but the I, flip side of all of this, too, though, is that I don't want it to make it seem like it's okay for, like, any time you're not performing at your best, maybe, like, are you on your period? Because right. that will kill anybody who says that. That's for me to know, not for you to assume. No, totally. I I wish that, like, if somebody asked you that, your, like, body's immediate response was just to, like, bleed all over them. <laughs> it's like the shining elevators. It no, just seriously. <laughs> die in a fire <laughs> oh that's really meaningful to me right now. <laughs> seriously there is something about as well the way women are comfortable with period gore i mean carry vibes right but like dude total carry vibes and 
the way men are just so profoundly uncomfortable with period gore. But here's the thing. Not every woman is comfortable with period gore. I feel that, like, basically the kind of period devices that you use determines how comfortable you are with your body. So, (laughs) you know, I feel like the OB tampon is the first stop to, like, hand in your vag. Like, I'm all up in here and I'm not afraid of blood, you know? I mean, I'm not afraid of blood, but I feel that... I don't know. You're saying I'm not comfortable with blood and that's why I haven't gone the full diva cup. No, I'm just saying that like the diva cup ladies are like full gore and I support that. <laughs> you know, please. We're OB tampon ladies in this family. We, we, we appreciate the gore. Oh my God. Another key sponsorship opportunity. We would shill for OB. Let's be real. Um, well, I don't know. Are they still not making the ones that we love? I always have to buy the like vintage ones. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. I have a stockpile. <laughs> I'm always, like, going into weird bodegas, like, looking in weird nooks and corners, being like, I want the oldest OB tampon box you have here. Like, I don't want your Pro Moisture Lock Plus or whatever plastic coating you put on a formerly perfect tampon. I don't want any of that garbage. Uh, I want the, like, old school ones. Yeah, but, you know, like, I remember the first time I tried out OB tampon. I'm pretty sure you were there. We were on that road trip and there were no other options. And it, like, kind of changed my life. That's what it takes to get, like, into the gore of the whole situation. The sponsorship writes itself. You just wrote it. It's like, I can see it as clearly as as if it were Crossroads or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, like, somewhere um, in Kansas, I'm pretty sure. Such tender memories. (laughs) Very tender memories. Also, the first time that uh, good lady friend Laura Shipley gave me vitamin B, uh, for a hangover <laughs> and in that same gas station I peed and freaked out because my pee was electric yellow and I thought it was dying and Laura was like don't worry it's the vitamin B uh, yes core ladies core ladies core ladies giving you natural remedies and loaning you tampons <laughs> not loaning giving sorry that was not a loan <laughs> Man, I guess now uh, everybody knows all about our period situation. This is crazy. I'm okay with that. I mean, I am perfectly okay with it. I feel like there's there are some lines I would draw. We don't have to get into all of my lines now, but I don't really mind talking about my uterine lining on the air. As <laughs> this is how I know, though, that I'm I like roll deep in ladies, and I'm surrounded by ladies. I was having dinner with, like, two lady friends, Mary and Kate, that we love. And Mary had invited one of her old coworkers to come to dinner with us, and he's a dude. And we spent, like, 45 minutes talking about IUDs (laughs) before I realized that I, like, one, did not know him very well, and two, he was horrified at the conversation. And I was like, How's, how are you doing over there? And he's like, I'm going to go home and Google IUD. That's what's going on. Wow. He was great, though. He was total champ. He looked it up on his phone. He gets it now. He's like, great. You changed that man's life. (laughs) I mean, or he'll just never talk to me again, which we'll find out soon. (laughs) 
This was an email from our dear friend Josh, and the subject line is, Terrible Precedent for Babies for Racha. (laughs) When I read that, I thought it was about travel size bottles of Me too, and me too, the little ones that you put on your keychain. (laughs) It's not about that. It's about a French couple that named their baby Nutella. Can I tell you what, though? The minute I clicked on the link and I saw the URL slug, I knew it was French people. I, like, didn't even need to read it. (laughs) Because at French school, in civics class, we talked extensively about the responsibility of naming your child and, like, things that you are not allowed to name your child. Did they give specific examples? No, so, like, hateful examples, like Hitler. Like, you cannot name your baby Adolf. Or, like, things that would ridicule your child later in life. And I feel that Nutella falls squarely under those parameters. Well, I don't know. I guess they could call her Ella. It does not mention, you know, oh, it does say daughter Ella. So, hey, that's not such a big deal. I know, but, like, Nutella is too commercial. I'm on the side of the French government here. Je suis baby Nutella. So do you apply, like, Scrabble rules if it's a proper noun? One hundo. Yeah. You can't name your baby, like, Oreo. That shit's stupid. Yeah, what does it say? Um, It would invite mockery or disobliging remarks. Okay, let's play a game, though. If you had to name your baby after a, like, trademarked product wow what would you name your baby you don't you you don't have a choice your baby will die unless you name it after a product (laughs) (laughs) then my baby's gonna die (laughs) stop okay i didn't even mean to give you an out you don't have a choice you have i don't have a choice does it it have to be a food brand or can it just be a any kind of brand man i don't know do you have an answer to this i mean oh i know marie calendar (laughs) (laughs) boom (laughs) such a cop out please that chicken pot pie is delicious i don't know i i don't i don't have a good answer for this i'm gonna think about it and maybe maybe what you get to think about it and i get to make a fool of myself i mean you have 10 seconds I mean, I'm sitting. I'm sitting in my closet. I'm gonna like name it after something, and you know, like baby coach bag or baby vintage coach. <laughs> baby, like, I don't... please, vintage coach is not a brand. Your baby's name, coach, <laughs> sold. <laughs> baby Dooney and Burke. This is like how I picked an AOL screen name when I was a kid. It's like, what can I see in my line of vision? I'll just use that. I have no oh idea. Oh my god, I'm so ashamed of my AOL screen name. I can never talk about it. I mean, I'm not talking about mine either. All I'm saying is naming things a lot of responsibility oh man Um, (laughs) you know but on the baby naming tip there's also a great article on the cut about this wow we are just plugging the cut left i know (laughs) it's almost like one of us works there dude it was not planned (laughs) (laughs) say what you want some of us never plug our employer on also i'm not staff it doesn't matter (laughs) anyway megan o'connell who is like our nation's foremost like mom blogger and i say that like with utmost respect she wrote this like great 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 long form piece a couple of months ago about giving birth that just like scarred me for life but so anyway in the cut she writes about like picking the perfect baby name and it's 100 percent lol just like they didn't name their baby for a while because she was like stressed out about what they were going to call it so they called it the baby um like the whole thing is funny you should read it there's a lot of pressure to to pick a name super super early 
I mean, there is. So, but it's weird, right? It's like culturally weird. So like in Muslim culture, which my family is Muslim, you don't name the baby for seven days after the baby's born. And then you have this like naming ceremony and it's like all very cute and mystical. Like somebody whispers a name or whatever. My whole anxiety, which like whenever, if I think if I ever have to name a baby, I have a ton of anxiety around because I want something that will like translate well in English and French. And I find that those names are like few and far between. But also there's the whole, I was reading about this a while ago. Like it's like, do you, like if you're a person of color, do you name your baby, like, you know, your, like, ethnic name, or do you give it, like, a white name? Like, you know, like, who knows? It's all stressful. I mean, I feel like there's a fair number of names that are not hard-coded and ethnicity, right? I mean, like, I, I understand that there are many, many names are, but I, I feel like if it's really important to you to to have the most neutral of baby names on every front. You can kind of, there's always a safe baby name. But that's the thing, right? It's like, do you want to have a neutral baby name? I think it was like a Southeast Asian woman who kept saying that like her friends were asking her like, are you going to name the baby something Indian or something white? Like, Mm. who knows? Like, you know, those are like really stressful options. Maybe this is why people give it up and go Nutella. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, like maybe this is a solution. Just name your baby after a brand. Baby APC, baby Nike, baby OB, baby Warby Parker. <laughs> oh my god, young Warby on the playground in Brooklyn. <laughs> Except that there's probably like 10 baby Warbies. Ugh, love. Warby is a good, it's a good, it's a good old man name. I love it. Let's talk about something serious and important. Fine, Anne. <laughs> um, did you listen to the This American Life episode uh, featuring writer Lindy West? Okay, way to bring this back down to earth. Um, yes, I listened to it. You know, I love This American Life. I listened to it on the plane on the on the ride back, and I like cried on the plane, Anne. It was so intense. It was so intense. The flight attendant, like, asked me if I was okay. Explain to people who have not listened why so intense. So Lindy West, like, is a fantastic woman who writes on the internet who's just, I just, God, I love her. She's just one of those women that doesn't apologize for being a woman and is extra smart and just, like, extra everything. I've definitely written her fan mail. I mean, maybe I'll write her fan mail. Love you, Lindy. She didn't reply, and I still love her anyway. Because I know she's busy <laughs> smashing the patriarchy with her hot fire. No, words. totally. So anyway, she she did the story for This American Life about confronting her worst troll. And if you're a woman that's on the internet, you basically know the kinds of interactions that she's talking about. I personally, my favorite troll right now, keeps changing um, their... Twitter name to call me a fat nigger every day and it's been very exciting you know like some days I don't care and some days it like cuts really deeply sorry to cut you off but did, did you block this person and because they changed their name they keep coming back? so I block them every time and they come back as a different name but they use like the same naming convention so I know Ugh. it's the same person 
it's like really terrible. Most days it just like makes me laugh. It's like, yes, tell me something I don't know about myself. Right. And then other days you're like having a bad day and it's like frankly devastating. Right. You know, but I also like have nowhere near the like, you know, like role or following that Lindy West has. So I'm just like, I can't even imagine what her, you know, like her quarter of the internet looks like. Well, and I'm sorry. I was going to say that Anita, Anita Sarkeesian also this week published, um, screenshots of all of or many of her hate tweets for a full week and it's like you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through rape threats um anyway but yeah yeah no just like women on the internet it's hard and the 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 bigger the footprint you have the more like people just want to tear you down so anyway um lenny west's father had passed away a couple of months ago and this one particular troll basically signed up for an account like as her dad and was hurling just like obscenities to her and she tracked this person down and interacted with him and frankly like by the end like humanized him i ended up feeling so sorry for this man but the whole interaction and is just like it's like mind-blowing i know i listened to it yeah it's like the the thing that everybody says is like don't feed the trolls and she's like well i'm going to and she interacts with this person and she's like why did you do that how did you find this picture of my dad like why why me and and it basically, and, and I mean, I believe that he is genuinely sorry, but his rationale for doing it, where he was like, basically, you just, he's like, you were just too full of yourself and you feel like hot shit and you're confident and I need to tear you down. Like, that was insane. Her sort of recorded conversation with him was not the first time that she had broken that don't feed the trolls maxim. You know, in their conversation, she mentions that she tweeted um, an excerpt from an uh, one of many harassing emails he also sent her. And he says in the interview that he was ashamed when he saw her tweet. Like he was, it was like a it, it calling out kind of worked. I mean, he didn't reply to her and say, gee, I'm sorry, but he felt bad. Between their conversation and him admitting that her directly addressing him was something that made him pause and think about what he was doing, it made me think of Mary Beard, another badass lady on the internet and off, who has pretty much made it a policy to engage in comments as well as on Twitter. And the New Yorker profile of her really outlines the fact that like she had she has had similar breakthroughs with men who are trolling her. And while I don't think it's the obligation of women who are subject to all this hate to like, you know, try to reach out and touch somebody troll wise, it's sort of interesting that I don't know, I don't really know that don't feed the trolls is is necessarily the best advice. I don't know that anybody thinks that it's the best advice, but it's it's the least emotionally consuming. The thing to me that was so insane about her interaction with this troll is like really getting to the bottom of what he did that like broke her, you know, going, it was so despicable to use her dead father yeah. in in the way that he did. And just, he, there was no excuse for it. And, you know, and yet like, here we are. It took her reaching out to him for him to realize that, oh, that she's like a real live person with feelings on the other end of the computer. That was really crazy, you know? And, and I think for me, that's the thing that terrifies me the most about trolls. And even a lot of people I interact with online is how they don't think that you're like full human being with feelings. I think that you're, like, some sort of just, like, internet machine who can take all of their weird shit that they project onto you. They also, though, have this weird contradiction in what they do, because in order to do what this guy did, which is to Google Lindy West, find out that her father had recently died, 
find her father's obituary, create a Twitter account that's based on her dead father. All of that is sort of textbook. How would you hurt someone in a way that is the greatest hurt you can inflict via a Twitter account? It seems like he really thought about it. And it's like, in order to think about that, you would have to consider that this is a human being on the other end. And yet he's totally shocked when he hears that she's a human being who was hurt. People are really petty. Like people will email you on a whim about something that you write or say and just feel that they have so much ownership about how you feel or what you should say. And it's really unfortunate that women bear like, you know, like the brunt of it. I have another like very particular troll who at least says that there are women online. Like I have no way to verify this. And some days I just want to write this person back and be like, oh my God, cut me a fucking break. Like You're also, you're also a woman. Like if, you know, if anybody knows what, like, you know, like what I should be going through, it should be you. But instead it's just this like really weird, like word vomit projection. Ugh. Right. Yeah, I've gotten so quick with the block button that I almost forget it happened. It's like I see certain words and I it's it's reflexive. And so if you asked me, like I was thinking about this when I when I read that catalog of all this harassment that one woman received over the course of a week. I couldn't even tell you how many I get because I just block so quickly. I don't even keep track. I know, you know, like I I block I block a lot, but like sometimes you just don't know what the thing is that's going to make you just lose it, you know? It's just, it's so despicable. Anyway, go Lindy West. She, uh, I I thought this was like, and I hate this word usually, but I thought this was incredibly brave and humanizing and just, she deserves all the best things. Kind of upbeat. I'll tell you about my favorite movie I saw, Sundance. Tell me. It is this French movie called Girlhood. That's the international title. What is the title in French? Bande de filles. But it doesn't translate really well because, like, I guess in English, in English it would be like a gang of girls, and like it has a, it should have like a more positive connotation. Gotcha. You know, because you can't be like a posse of ladies <laughs> for an international <laughs> title. But also the director, I saw the Q&A with her and she was great. She wanted to have like positive connotation, whatever. And she goes, also, the big movie at Sundance last year was Boyhood. So like, why not Girlhood? I'm like, you go, girl. <laughs> and and the movie is amazing. It's basically a movie about like carefree black girls. I saw the trailer on Tumblr months ago. And the trailer was literally like a two minute cut of these four young black girls singing uh, Diamonds by Rihanna. Oh my God. Just got a full body tingle. So it's about these four girls who live in French suburbs, which the suburbs in France are, um, it's like not like the suburbs in America. The suburb is a bad neighborhood. But really focuses on this one girl in particular and how she tries to like find herself and you know, like escape her family and really and and meets this this like group of girls and they just do everything together. 
there are just no French movies with black women at the center. It was really shocking to watch. It's like I'm 30 and I've been watching French cinema my entire life and it's the first time that I've identified with the movie, like, ever. That's incredible. Yeah, no, I was like, I don't know what that feels like. I'm like, oh, this is why white people feel like all the time when they watch TV, <laughs> like... It's like a white person eating dinner in front of the TV on Thursday or something. No, totally. I'm like, uh, why? you know, like, everybody looks like you, everybody talks like you, whatever. And you're like, I had to fly to Park City, Utah and, like, get into a special screening. No, totally. And, you know, like, the movie touches on everything, like, sex, these, like, sexual taboos and the role of friendship. This movie is basically, like, Shine Theory TM. Like, these four girls are not perfect, but they are each other's family and they're complicated and just they just ride or die for each other. It's, it was so beautiful to watch. Uh, and the movie is definitely like, you know, like the female gaze is everywhere. There are these really chilling scenes where you're so aware of when there's the ma- a man in the frame because all of the characters like make themselves smaller. It's like very disturbing and amazing at the same time. One of the the things too that's so fascinating about this movie is that it's directed by a white woman. Mm-hmm. And obviously during the Q&A, all these, you know, everybody was like, you're a white woman. How can you write a movie about black people? <laughs> you know, like Americans performing social justice, basically. And I feel that if she had been an American director, she would have been rattled, you know, and just like shut off her computer and like, you know, she's like out of there. <laughs> like I'm never making another movie again. But she's like totally this like great French lady. And she was like, well, for one, there are no black French film directors in all of France <laughs> that are women. There are very few uh, parts for black women in France also. And she was like, if I don't tell this story, who's going to tell the story? Mm-hmm. And also made the point that um, anybody can write fiction, you know, like she doesn't have to be a black person to write about black people. And the thing that was really cool is that Eva DuVernay, director of Selma, was in the audience of the Q&A and like totally commended her for making that movie. Mm-hmm. She was like, this is a great movie. It's a great story. Like, thank you for telling black stories. And I was like, ugh, like Eva DuVernay gets it. Why don't these like weird, like white film students get it? I don't know. I have really strong feelings about this movie. I cried. It was good. It has Rihanna in it. <laughs> Dio, it like does the best rendition of Diamonds you've ever heard. <laughs> so like it's going to be out on limited release, I believe, at the end of the month. Please, 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 please go see it. It's so good. Thank you for listening to Call Your Girlfriend. You can find us many places online. Namely, on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download this podcast on iTunes. Feel free to leave us a review if you are so inclined. You can also tweet at us at callyrgf or email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. Look forward to hearing from you. See you on the internet. See you on the internet, boo-boo.